Beloved, we open back to Philippians chapter 4, and we are going to close the letter this evening. Verses 20 through 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I want to uh, begin preaching on this for a moment, but something I neglected to draw out um, to your attention, it's not that significant, but I, I do want to mention in passing before we open the sermon, if you can look with me at verse 13. Probably I should have read this before I read the text and gone into the sermon. But the verse we're very, very familiar with, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I just think uh, because we uh, you know, uh, have our convictions about using the King James Version, I want you to know um, that uh, in other translations, not all of them, some of them you'll, you won't see the name Christ. And that's because it's reflecting a different Greek source. And uh, which doesn't have Christ. Um, ours, we're going with, uh, as you know, the Texas Receptus kind of sources. I won't get into a lot. You can go back to our membership class explaining why we use the King James. But this would be uh, something to be aware of. And I think it's the strength of why we stay with the King James and uh, the Greek source that it's using for the New Testament. Uh, I think Christ should be there. I think, uh, I think it's right that we have it. So just wanted to, I think that's worth pointing out to you. I, I had intended to in the other sermon, but I think I got excited about all of it, so I forgot to, to go over that little detail. Um, I think it's worth noting that, but also uh, to share related to that, it's pretty natural to think that it would be there. It, um, it's certainly implied if it wasn't, but it is there in the Greek. But uh, Henry E. Anderson points out that the letter of Philippians begins and ends with Christ. He says it's just, it's throughout the whole letter. The name of Christ is everywhere. He says, you know, even many references to Christ that are, you know, he or, you know, other uh, words that would refer to him but aren't his direct title or name. But Christ itself, he says, is used 42 times in the letter. It's a short letter, 42 times. So it's Seems silly to me to think it wouldn't be there, but you know how uh, those who might use the other translations would would say, oh, the best and oldest translations. You can go back to our King James study of why we would not uh, favor that kind of a response. And I want you to see mainly just positively and to encourage you with your your translation of the Bible um, that Christ is there in our translation as it should be following the, the best Greek source. That being said, I am a little sad to close this letter. Uh, I've really enjoyed preaching it. In some ways, it might be my favorite thing I've preached so far. Um, I felt especially close to you through it. It's just I felt been a real, real unifying and, and bonding uh, letter to preach through. It's kind of a family letter after all, right? Uh, from its opening with the greeting, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, which we started on January 17th, 2021. And then after quite a long interlude, we returned. And now to its closing tonight, it's a family letter. It's a letter of affection and brotherly love. And 
as we look at these last verses, verses 20 to 23, we see it telling us, or I think expressing to us, this thought. Christians have the closest family through Christ, our brother, and God, our Father. We want to recognize what we have here. Christians have the closest family through Christ, our brother, and God, our Father. With Paul, with the Philippians, and all through church history, we are a band of brothers. You see that expressed at the beginning, how much Paul is so thankful for the Philippians being with him through all these years, going through all these difficulties together, continuing to serve each other, have the scars to show for it, so to speak, and the, and the successes. This is the message for you this evening as I've thought on the text, and I am re- reflecting uh, another uh, scripture that Paul has written that I'll share with you at the end. It's really mostly reflecting a few verses in another letter. But here's the message for you tonight from the text. Church, you are the family and household of God. And I think that's what we see expressed here tonight. It's something to celebrate together. Something that is just being appreciated with the back and forth salutations. With a whole letter behind it. Church, you are the family and household of God. Christian church, you have many brothers and sisters. That's the first thing to look at. Christian church, you have many brothers and sisters. In a letter you might write to mom or dad. Uh, I've tempted to tease as we have with other things. Kids, there's this thing called a letter. <laughs> we used to write these things called letter on this thing called paper with a thing called a pen. And I can't say that I've done it very well for a long time. But uh, when you would write a letter, it'd be natural to include a closing greeting uh, with something like, hey, say hi to Aunt Susie and Uncle Frank, or say hello to Sis and my brothers and, and their kids for me. Let them know they're doing well. Let them know how I'm doing. Hope they're doing well. And that's, that's kind of what Paul is doing, closing the letter here. Let's look at verses 21 to 22. Uh, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. So there's this expression of, you could say salute, or you could say give my greeting. It's, the, it's kind of the same idea. You could translate it either way. Tell everyone where you are, greetings from us in Christ Jesus. And the brethren which are me are sending you that same greeting to you. All the saints here salute you, and then especially those in Caesar's household. So there's a lot of people really being involved, really almost salute every saint. This is idea, you know, let, if I could shake, every, shake everyone's hand for me. Tell them, uh, you might say, give everyone a, a holy kiss for me. Greetings to and from the brethren. That's in some ways the primary part of our text tonight, this mutual expression of brotherly love. Verse 22 is especially encouraging, and I, I do want to take a little bit of a, maybe not a, not a digression, but a, I think it, it's worth a little bit of a zooming in. I think there's something encouraging here, considering a lot of what Paul's talked about. He references Caesar's household. Now, this is not likely anyone in Caesar's family, but Caesar, you know, the Roman Empire. Remember, Paul's in pr- pr- prison in Rome, and he says, Caesar's household is gr- greets you. The brethren, Christian brethren in Caesar's household greet you. That's a big deal. 
part of Caesar's household is becoming Christians, becoming part of the household of God. It's a great encouragement to the saints and the brethren, uh, the Philippian church, because they've sacrificed to continue to support Paul's ministry here, right? Even that's the occasion of this letter. They've sought him out. It's been a while. They've supported him for many years, we've seen. Uh, They found him again, and they want to know how he's doing. They want to know if he's okay. They send him support. Of course, they're concerned about Epaphroditus. He almost died along the way. So Paul's sending Epaphroditus back right away with this message, this thank you letter, and this update on things. But they've been supporting Paul for years. And as he's there in Rome, in prison, yet rejoicing with them that even the bad things happening, God is using to advance the gospel. The gospel is infiltrating even Caesar's household. Even the servants of Caesar are becoming Christians. Gordon Clark says it this way, the gospel had penetrated the emperor's entourage. One of the last, uh, excuse me, and then he says Christianity had made gratifying progress in Rome. Charles Erdman writes this, Caesar's household was one of the last circles where saints might be supposed to have been found. Now remember the word saints means holy one. Not because we're holy in ourselves inherently, but because God has made us holy and called us to live a holy life. Saints, last place you'd expect them is in this place. He says the emperor was Nero. Nero. (laughs) He liked to persecute Christians. Yet amid all its darkness and superstitions and wickedness, the gospel of Christ had taken root and produced a rich fruitage. There are no conditions over which the power of Christ cannot triumph. For many of these saints, their loyal testimony probably meant the arena, the wild beasts, torture, and death. But their immortal memory is enshrined in the heart of the Christian church Because of this salutation that they sent to the saints in Philippi. And their names too are written in the book of life. Isn't that something we probably only know of them in in any specific reference. I mean we have church history about so many who did die under such uh, leadership and situations. But because they choose to say please say hi to our brothers in the Philippian church. They're recorded here. Probably before they often suffer and die for Jesus as brethren. Dennis Johnson says this, The global family of Jesus, the greater Lord, is being gathered through the gospel, even among the emperor's retinue. So we can further understand, therefore, what he says at the beginning of the letter. Let's look back at chapter 1. We're going to go back and forth to the introduction to see the comparison and how much relates Uh, to the close tonight. So look with me to chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. He talks about in the earlier verses, I thank my God for you. Every prayer I remember you with joy. And then verse 5, why? For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now remember the last time, I know it's been a few weeks, but uh, last time he was talking about God's going to reward you, amply supply your needs. And, you know, I remember how many times you took care of me over the years when others didn't, even in your poverty. So here he's saying, again, you know, 
from the first day until now, from the very beginning till now, you've always been supporting me. And here you are doing it again. And then verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I'm so thankful for all your support. And I want to encourage you, God's using it. I want to encourage you that he's building his church, even through difficulties, persecutions. We can rejoice how God is using it. Your support is not in vain. And so at the end, he's similarly just rejoicing in them as brethren for their support and encouraging them with this note about the, Caesar, uh, the household of Caesar. Uh, their support is making a difference. They're building their family. They're building the family and household of God, even in Caesar's household, the most unlikely of places. So that would be a great encouragement to them. And again, he's expressing how they're part of that, this fellowship, this participation, that they're part of all of it, though at a distance. This is a letter of affection to the Christian brethren, building the family together, one missionary outpost at a time. Thanking them for their partnership, including financial support, and checking in on how he was doing. He's writing back to assure them he's okay and that Epaphroditus is okay. He closes with family salutations, verses 21 to 22. He says, in Christ Jesus, and he calls them brothers. Now, that's a word he's used a lot. Chapter 1, verses 12 and 14. Chapter 3, 1, 13 and 17. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 8. He's called them brethren. Again, it's a short letter. He's called them brethren a lot. Brothers, he's expressing a family relation here, a spiritual family. And he's used the idea of the word saints. He usually does open his letters that way as he had, he did in Philippians. This idea of you are my holy brethren. You are my brethren in the Lord Jesus Christ who has made us holy. Now, he also references them as dearly beloved, remember. In chapter 4, verse 1, this deep, dearly Beloved. And that's the same language as he opened with. Let's look back to chapter 1, verse 8. It's this same expression that he's opening and closing with. Chapter 1, verse 8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. It's a real gut, just a real deep appreciation and affection. And he closes with this kind of expression just as he opened it. They are dearly beloved brethren. And you're seeing that expression through all of these mutual salutations. Beloved brethren in the Lord, you have brothers and sisters of the closest of kin through the blood of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And I know that you can look at one another in your mind's eye and say, Amen, that's what I've had here all these years. Just as you can, Proverbs 18, verse 24. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You will enjoy heaven and earth together with one another forever. Verse 20 speaks of ages of ages, or literally eternity of eternity. Um, this is the this is the blessing that John, remember, expresses on the Isle of Patmos when he's writing Revelation. And one of the images is there will be no more sea. Now remember, he's isolated from the brethren in Asia, on the island, separated by a lot of water. 
So the idea of no more sea there is expressing the idea of no more separation from the brethren. We'll be together forever with all of our brethren in the new heavens and the new earth. Something wonderful to rejoice in. Let us salute one another, brothers, sisters. And let us salute our brethren elsewhere with such filial affection, including just um, churches we may have informal relations, brethren we have informal relations, but also... Uh, you know, with our presbytery, especially as as we receive them for Presbyterian April, let us express particularly that filial, that family meeting that we're having, and and remember to see it that way and be thankful for it that way. How blessed are you to have many brothers and sisters in the church around the world and of all ages. What's more. Christian church, you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your brother. Christian church, you have many brothers and sisters. And Christian church, you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your brother. Think of how Joseph dined with his brothers once they came to him in Egypt. And he worked on their repentance and reconciling with him. And then he wept over them openly in reunion. So we will eat at the great supper of the Lamb in the new heaven and the new earth and with Jesus, our merciful brother, who will not hold our sins against us. And who will treat us as his long lost brothers, reunited at long last and never to be separated again. Look at verse 23, chapter 4 of Philippians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Here, grace is being, is the greeting, the salutation being given to the brethren from our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what makes us brethren. Jesus Christ has made us brethren. And so, Of course, the grace is through Jesus Christ here, and it's thus in Christ Jesus, verse 22. So the salutation has a Christian greeting, a Christian family context and expression that can only be made by Christians to Christians and can only be received by Christians from other Christians. It's a family relation through Jesus Christ, our our brother, who has made his family in him that uh, others don't know anything about. You know how it is when you have a brother or sister in Christ, for some reason you meet them, uh, you're introduced in a, in a temporary context or passing through context, and it's like you've known them their whole life, right? They've, it's just we have that immediate bond of Christ, that immediate bond of our brother Jesus Christ that binds us all together. We have the Lord Jesus Christ as our brother. And so, of course... This greeting is from Christ, ultimately. It's about Christ, and it's for Christ. All the letters of the Bible are ultimately from Christ to his body, his family. And so, again, the letter of Revelation to the churches in Asia, though written by John, is actually the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a letter from Jesus to these churches. He's our brother. He cares for us with that same deep gut affection that Paul has for the Philippian church. Jesus looks out at all of you right now, and I trust, says, Matthew 3, 
33 to 35 in part. Who is my mother or my brethren? Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Even more striking, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. Speaking of Jesus, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Just as he says, you're my friends to the disciples, because I'm revealing these things to you. He calls us brethren, because he's made God our father, who is his father. Now, as he said that, Hebrews 2, 11 to 12, let me read it again, and I want you to notice what they quote, what is, what is quoted here, and it comes from Psalm 22, that you and I just sang this morning. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, now quoting Psalm 22, verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Now here's the glorious thing to remember. That's the, the third part of Psalm 22. Remember, the first part of Psalm 22 is all this prophecy about Jesus suffering the anguish of his soul as he's crucified for us. The second part is all these prophecies fulfilled of his suffering in his body as he suffers crucifixion for us. Really, as he suffers hell for us. But pays for it as God, in a moment, pays for this eternal punishment for us. But the last third is not about the passion of Christ. It's about Christ ascended back at God's right hand, having applied his blood at the real Holy of Holies, at the true altar, and having an unceasing ministry for us. Just as Psalm 24 speaks about that. He has gone back up, the gates have opened and received the king back. He's done his job as mediatorial prophet, priest, and king. He sits at God's right hand on his throne where our lives are hid with him. Colossians 1, or excuse me, Colossians 3. And he represents us, and he represents us as we worship. He is in our midst, leading. He's the one truly doing the preaching. He's the one that's leading the Lord's Supper. He's in our midst, and he says, he's not ashamed to call us brethren is the application. And then Psalm 22, verse 22, is about the Lord Jesus, now raised from the dead, having applied but he did offering himself up as the Lamb of God, as the high priest of God, after the order of Melchizedek, he offers he, this atone, final atonement for us in heaven. And then, for, therefore, he says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. That's what he's doing as our brother. He's not ashamed to call you and I brethren. And he's, he's declaring God's name unto us. Where in the midst of the church, it says, I will sing. You are blood brothers in the blood of Christ who calls you my brothers. What's more, if that wasn't enough, Christian church, you have the father of heavenly lights as your father. 
Christian church, you have many brothers and sisters. Christian church, you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your brother. And Christian church, you have the Father of heavenly lights. The God of the universe as your Father. Remember in the story, the prodigal son that the Lord Jesus gives to us, how when the prodigal son is so low, he's eating with pigs in the mud and realizes, I need to go back to my father. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. I'm just going to ask if I can be a servant. But as he's on his way in repentance, he doesn't even get home. And the father runs out to greet him, rejoices, puts a ring on his finger, puts a, uh, a nice cloak around him, a robe around him, kisses him, brings him back, and throws a big party. That which was lost is found. And of course, this is representing God the Father. That's why the angels rejoice in heaven when a soul is saved in repentance, because they're just reflecting God the Father. Why he lovingly sought us out in Christ. And that's why Jesus is preparing a room for you in his Father's eternal palace of peace. John 14, 1-3. Look at verse 20 of our text this evening. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's really a doxology. It, it feels like it should almost end there. Some people do tack it on to the verses before. Some kind of have it as its own individual verse. As I've thought about it, I, I think it's best to consider it as an opening and closing because there's an amen in verse 20 and an amen in verse 23. But it's almost like the letter is done in verse 20 and then there's just sent all these greetings and salutations, including the greeting of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this sense, we're almost making a salutation up to God for his glory forever and ever because that's ultimately the purpose of all this, Right? That's what it's all about, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, you might add on, together. (laughs) But God our Father, it's unto God our Father, we give up our salutation ultimately. That's what we do as we open and close worship and sing the psalms to him. We are giving our salutation to God of thanksgiving and supplications and adoration and just saying, we love you, Father. We love to be with you, our Father. Bringing honor to the Father. All his children honoring him. You know, when you see a, a family that's well run by a good father, and uh, you see that family expand in generations, and they get together for those reunions or those picnics or what have you, and it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And a, a lot of us, I don't know that we can really relate to that, but it's pretty amazing to observe. But this is what we have. God, our Father, all of our brethren, following and through our Lord Jesus Christ, gathering around and worshiping, glorifying our Father. Forever and ever. Family reunion where the food never runs out and you never have to go home because you're home with everyone. And eternal glory that will not pass away. And God has sent us a greeting. God has sent us a salutation. The Father in sending his Son to make us his sons. At the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 1 verse 19. Luke chapter 2 verse 14. The angel Gabriel 
and the heavenly angelic host send their greetings of glad tidings to those who will become the family of God, the Father. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. In the Revelation, you see that you will surround the throne and surround the Lamb, singing with your brethren from all history to the glory of God for all eternity. That's why we're here. That's what this is all about. And this is being expressed in these concluding salutations. Beloved, you can speak together as Paul does in chapter 1 of the letter, verse 2. God, our Father. You can speak to one another of God, our Father. But that's not something that you can say to the world outside of Christ. And that's not something they can say to one another. Oh, we have a common creator, but we don't have a common father. Remember what Jesus says to the Pharisees, your father is the devil. <laughs> but we can, say our, we can speak of God our father together in Christ. And by virtue of your adoption, you can cry in the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. And you can pray together, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, that's the Lord's Prayer for us. Now, we express this family gathering as we pray that together. To our Father, by Christ, through the Holy Spirit. We are family. And I'm tempted to, yeah, I know. <laughs> you might remember in the past we are family I almost I looked up the lyrics I'm not, I'm not I don't know enough about the song so um, I decided not to quote it but uh, I've got all my brothers and sisters to sing the father's praises with I can tell you that we are family we are family you know I was thinking I was thinking about when uh, we might not have any more biological children in our family and the potential of adoption down the road. I was just having this quick thought. What, what, what more marvelous, meaningful, special thing could you do than to give someone a family? Someone who has no family. No father or mother, no sister or brother, uncles or aunts or cousins. You, you give that to them. And God has done this for you. God has done this for me. And in heaven it will be a, a perfectly functioning family. <laughs> no, no dysfunction. <laughs> and in the meantime, we keep perfecting it as we keep working on it along the way. As Paul has instructed us in this letter. By denying ourselves, being more concerned about one another, more concerned to have unity with humility, following the example of Christ, our brother. And of course, naturally, something that we can show as family while we are perfecting along the way until we are a perfectly functioning family. We can witness 
forgiveness. We can have the ministry of reconciliation. We can express what most families in the world, and sadly too many in churches, don't know anything about. But in that, there is the most glorious unity and union and love and fellowship. We can even be doing that now. <laughs> Maybe we'll put a little video on our YouTube page when we get it going. Uh, we'll express this um, uh, with that song. We'll be out there. We are family. But really, what a glorious thing it is. Because what a gift you have of God the Father and Christ the Son and one another as beloved saintly brethren. Family is family, uh, so we often say. Why do you keep going to that church? Why do you keep working with one another? Why? Because family is family. We're going to be worshiping the Lord, living together forever in heaven. We ought to figure it out how to get along and enjoy it more and more now here. And in Christ we can. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians 2, 19 and chapter 3, 14 to 15. And so we close Philippians as Paul does with this encouragement from those words in Ephesians, as Paul writes elsewhere, Church, you are the family and household of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you that you are our Father, that Christ is our brother, and speaks within the congregation, in the church, and sings with us of you. We thank you that you have given us a family in Christ. And we thank you especially for this family within the broader family. And, oh Lord, we think of those who have gone before. We think of those we've learned of in history. Those we will never know, but will be so close to later. Oh Lord, we look forward to the eternal family reunion. And we say together as the bride in the spirit, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.